everybody! Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch Up One with me, Jean-Luc Welch. That's right! That's right! That's right! Let's get all excited to turn up again for another episode. This week, or rather today, excuse me, dedicated to the world of boxing as a bunch of news transpired in a very short amount of time. My goodness, it shocked me left, right, and center. First off, Andrew Ruiz versus Luis Ortiz. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Deontay Wilder potentially coming back and fighting Ruiz after fighting Alanius and what it's going to take for him to win and what he needs to do if he wants to get back into the title picture for either the WBC or the Unified Heavyweight Championship, as well as the breaking call-out of Tyson Fury, essentially calling out Anthony Joshua after his loss to Osik, and my thoughts on that whole situation, and Anthony Joshua's exception. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot to talk about, and we're going to get to it right here, right now, on the World Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch, and you, the, viewer, the beautiful, excuse me, listeners and viewers of the show. So, we ain't going to waste no time. Leave a like and comment on the video on your thoughts. Again, like the video because it helps out me getting uh, exposure and, again, helping up the quality of this entire production as well as help get my name out there so I can continue to do this for you. Comment your thoughts, subscribe to the channel, and share with everybody that you know so we can build up this community together. But wasting no time, we got to step into the ring. We got to step into the ring. Yes, sir. Ring the bell and it's time to get it on. As the first topic of the day, like I said, Andy Ruiz beats Louise King Kong Ortiz in a unanimous decision in their fight this past weekend. I believe this past Sunday, Louise, or, uh, Louise Ortiz got knocked down three times in the fight. Louise you know, fairly handily did a number on him. It was a good fight. Don't get it twisted. But Louise came out to win like most Odds betters, if you're into the betting world, like most betters have predicted, and like the odds makers have predicted in their betting uh, predictions. I, I forget how much of a favorite that Ruiz was, but pretty significant favorite. Now, me going into that fight, I had it that it was going to be fairly close. I had it that it was going to be that Ortiz was going to, you know, come back strong. This was his final run at getting a legitimate shot at the title. If he lost this fight against Andy Ruiz, I was fairly certain, and am fairly certain, that his title hopes are probably over. Dante Wilder, he lost twice to him, had a, his last outing was yeah, kind of sketchy, got knocked down, won the fight by a knockout, but even still, didn't look like the Luis Ortiz that was avoided for a number of years, and the whole reason why he's getting a title shot this late, that he didn't look like that. In, the, in his last fight. And in this fight specifically. Against Ruiz. He, it was. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, there was a lot to be desired. So his title hopes are over. Most likely. Again. Had a great career. I'm not saying he's going to retire. But in terms of getting into the upper echelon. The elite of the elite. I think he's. He's, he's out of that equation. He's not going to be able to. He can't beat. Or hasn't shown that he can beat. Wilder. Handily, even though he beat him, was on his way to beat him in his second fight, but then boom, got knocked out like Wilder's done to almost every opponent that he's faced. So couldn't beat Wilder. Most likely ain't gonna beat um, Anthony Joshua. Definitely ain't gonna beat 
Tyson Fury. And sure enough, ain't going to be Usyk. So his hopes of heavyweight championship status most likely out the window. Still, he's going to be probably regula re regulated, or better term, regulated to a gatekeeping role. A very prominent, skilled heavyweight that has the means to knock any prospect off of their pedestal to get into a title fight or get into that title picture. But most likely, uh, he's, that's going to be where he falters. Now, granted, can he get past that? Hey, potentially. But there's a shot. There's definitely a shot. But outside of that, nah, he's probably not going to get outside of that newly reg reg relegated, excuse me, gate that he's now confined to in his boxing career. Can still make some good money, but most likely won't get beyond that threshold of upper echelon gatekeeper. If you can beat him, okay, you got a shot at the title. If you can't beat him, uh, then you got some more work to do. That's where Ortiz is right now. But in terms of Ruiz and his production and his performance in that fight, again, knocked him down multiple times, I believe three times, two times in the first, in the second round, uh, I think it was the sixth round, and he knocked him down again uh, before, again, it went to decision. But in watching this fight, I did not see that Ruiz was necessarily leaps and bounds better than an old Ortiz. I didn't. The main point of why Ruiz was able to win was because of the fact that he was quicker. He was faster. He, again, wasn't jabbing his way on the inside. Granted, most of his offense to get on the inside was when he committed to the attack, he would duck in, slip to one side, and then throw a barrage of hooks or one hook. And if it landed, okay, then you would keep throwing. If it didn't land, okay, he went back to, to looking for another opening. He would throw flurries, don't get it twisted, on the inside. And they were doing damage. And that's probably why he was getting most of the points, which because of the fact that while Ortiz was jabbing his way outside, and he could have been better jabbing him. Let's not get it twisted. When he did commit to jabbing in terms of Ortiz, it was effective. I gave him those rounds when he committed to flicking out that jab, not just once or twice or and then standing looking for an opening. No, Ruiz was having trouble when Ortiz was consistently pumping out that jab, which was very good when he committed to it. But then when he didn't commit to it and only threw one at a time, that's when he started getting in trouble. That's when he got caught, clipped, and then knocked down multiple times. That's when he got dazed and confused multiple times in the fight. And inevitably, why he lost that fight, because he never was able to submit the outside uh, threshold in terms of where Ruiz was going to be in trouble. When he, when, when essentially, to put it plainly, when Ruiz didn't get scared of, or excuse me, when Ortiz did not get scared of Ruiz's power, and committed to being more offensively free-flowing free from the outside. Specifically throwing out those jabs before throwing the right hands and combinations. That's where he thrived. And Ruiz, similar to when he fought Anthony Joshua the second time, was having trouble with that. He was having trouble with that when he because he was getting peppered with jabs. He was getting peppered with long shots. He was getting caught with, with the, excuse me, with the left hand 
because Ortiz is Ortiz is a southpaw, so he was getting caught with the left hand after the right hand barrage of jabs from Ortiz. Ruiz ran into some trouble there, and and when Ortiz was willing to say, "Okay, bump," you know, I've been knocked down. Okay, whatever. Let's 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 turn the tide and start to become more aggressive on the offensive end, specifically from range, forcing Ortiz to have to come inside, and then again making him make the mistake. Ortiz was having success. But Ruiz won because of the fact that for the majority of the fight, he was landing the bigger, bigger, more significant shots that did legitimate damage. Just the truth. On top of the knockdowns that he was getting. But I wasn't saying that Ortiz was just overall just leaps and bounds worse. And nor that Ruiz was just overall better. I saw the skills that Ortiz was showing on display and how they were getting to, to Ruiz. In the same vein that I saw Joshua getting to him when Joshua wanted to box instead of fight in their second matchup for the, for the Unified Heavyweight Championship. So with that, I don't see... I see Ruiz, okay, the power's back, the chin... You know, the way he put on muscle, he was getting caught. Don't get it twisted. But it wasn't. he wasn't getting knocked down like he was against Chris Ariola. He just wasn't. And Chris Ariola, I love him. You know, a warrior. The brother who isn't technically skilled, but will just come out and swing. He's a strong fighter, but King Kong Ruiz is stronger. But Ruiz, or excuse me, King Kong Ortiz is strong. I don't know why I'm getting so tongue-tied today. Yeah, yeah, mm. let's fix that right now. Even though Ruiz got knocked down, he did show that as a boxer, he still was there. You saw the skills, and you saw the technical prowess that Ortiz has. You saw the technical prowess that Ortiz has gained over those years of experience with him flicking out the jab, moving around, using head movement, slipping punches. You saw it on display. And you saw at times Ruiz have trouble with it. But the thing with Andy, on top of having the speed, is the fact that now that he's looking to get a to get back into the title picture, Andy Ruiz, he's got to use more head movement if he wants to be able to take the title again. He's got the hand speed, one of the fastest hands in all of the heavyweight division, legitimately. You can make an argument that he has the fastest hands in the heavyweight division. I'm, I'm serious. If you watch him fight, when he countered Ortiz multiple times, sometimes I, I it, it took me a second to be like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, did, did it land? I saw the sweat fly, but I didn't necessarily see the punch or register the punch being thrown up until it connected. So Ruiz has that type of hand speed and legitimate power. The issue is that even with this win against a great boxer, a great unorthodox style in the Cuban style that Ortiz fights, that's given 
many opponents a whole bunch of trouble. And the main reason why he was avoided in his prime for a number of years, in my estimation. So he handled that. Andy Ruiz handled that. But now, the problem was he was still getting touched against a matchup that the majority of people thought that he should have, again, whitewashed in, in, in under five, at least in seven. At least in seven. If many people feel, okay, this should have been, you know, fairly, I'm not going to say easy work, but fairly dominant work. The gap should be clearly shown. And it wasn't in my estimation. And now we get to the major story, one of the major stories of this week. After that fight, Andrew Ruiz calls out Deontay the Bronze Bomber Wild. Andy Ruiz is now slated to, in theory, after Wilder faces Hellenius and after he handles that business, now he's at risk, not at risk, excuse me, he's poised to most likely have a fight with Deontay Wilder. Wilder and Ruiz are going to most likely match up together after Wilder most likely takes care of business against Hellenius in a knockout. So if that fight does take place, what's going to happen? Well, we already know what the pitfalls of Deontay Wilder is. He can't fight on the back foot. Terrible technical prowess. I've been said that. I've been known that. Anybody who says that that's not the case is absolutely stupid. Wilder cannot box at a high level. His fundamentals are absolutely terrible. They're absolutely bummy. They're horrible. But with that being said, the big right hand will take anybody out. The great eraser, as Teddy Atlas says. The 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 the, the all-in-one tool. White out. That's what you need to call this punch. Call him white out. Because no matter what mistake Dante Wilder makes. That right hand just wipes out whatever mistake that he made and ends the fight. Just like whiteout. You put that stuff on, on whatever mistake that you made on a paper, on a, on a project or whatever. Boom. It's like it was never there. Back to the, the, the white color that was on the, the, the cardboard or the paper that you were writing, working on. It's like it was never there. Like I was never there. Teacher's favorite tool and a student's favorite cheat. Whiteout. That's what Deontay Wilder's right hand is. It's whiteout. It makes all of his boxing pitfalls essentially forgotten. As you'll see by Wilder fans. They will say, this brother is the best heavyweight in the world in some instances. Now, again, they could be fanboying. Most likely they are. I, I take it that most of them are legitimate boxing fans. But if they're just casuals and they see the knockouts and they see that right hand, what do they say? Oh, who can beat him? 
even though he got beat twice by Tyson Fury. Definitively. Handily. Again, one of the greatest trilogies that we've seen in boxing history, but still beaten. But despite that, any mistakes that I point out as a boxer that Wilder has gets null and void and just erased, whited out by the big right hand. But now, that's not going to be enough. And let me preference it. Understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about Deontay Wilder against Ruiz. Against Ruiz, that would be enough. Like we saw in the Ortiz fight when Ruiz versus Ortiz last Sunday. What was Ortiz doing? Scoring from distance. That's it. He was actively scoring from distance. Ruiz didn't show great head movement. When Ruiz got to the inside, okay, it was trouble. But when he was relegated to having to stay on the outside and work his way in, you saw by the end of the fight, you saw the bruises on his face, you saw the welts under his eyes, and that doesn't come from, for the majority of boxers, one-shot power. That comes from consistent work by the opposing fighter, constantly getting touched, constantly getting jabbed, getting peppered from the outside. That's what happened to Ruiz. And, and and Wilder can do that. Now, granted, not on as great of a scale. So I'm getting twisted. Wilder can, Wilder has, with his athletic ability, a really good jab in terms of how quick it gets out there. In terms of everything else, fundamentally, yeah, it's not that great. But athletically, he's able to pump it out. And if you heard Tyson Fury talking about Wilder, Wilder landed a jab on Fury when he was, and he blocked it. And he still felt like he got punched clean. So again, Wilder can land a jab. And if he can land the jab, what happens? If he can land the jab, he can land that right hand. If he can touch you, he can kill you. That's the game plan of Wilder. And against Ruiz, that's most likely what's going to happen. It's most likely what's going to happen. Because Ruiz isn't going to knock him out. He's not. The amount of damage you would have to do to knock Wilder out is insane. Because this is a man who wants to go out on his shield and will gladly do so. You're going to have to kill him. Even in the third fight with Fury, when Fury knocked him out with that big hook on the ropes, and, it's, and Fury, and not Fury, and Wilder just went slump. Wilder, if the count actually started, and the ref didn't stop the fight, but instead went on the count, he was still getting up. He might have gotten up by the count of nine if the count had just went fully through. At least in Wilder's mind, that's what he was trying to do. The brother still wanted to go. So it's, And the amount of punishment it took to get to that point was insane. And even when he was hurt, he still knocked Fury down twice in a round. 
Still had him dazed and confused for like two rounds. Wilder still had Fury hurt when while he was hurt. It turned that fight into a slugfest. So with the limited skills that Wilder has, he is definitely going to, if Ruiz fights him, take out Ruiz. That's, I'm almost assured that that's going to happen. So what you want about the hand speed of Andy Ruiz? When Wilder wants to close the show, there's nothing Ruiz can do. And if Wilder does what I think he's going to do, and in his return against Robert Hellenius, comes out and amps up and at least becomes average in boxing fundamentals, this man can legitimately, and I've said this before, come back and become world champion in a heartbeat. Because a Wilder with terrible fundamentals and horrible boxing acumen reigned and broke Muhammad Ali's record for, was it 10 title defenses? 11? Had 10 or 11 title defenses with that level of skill set? Took Tyson Fury to a draw? Had one of the greatest trilogies with one of the greatest heavyweights of our generation? And that's, again, with no fundamental skill. You make him average across the board. Good gosh. He's, it's, it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's terrible. You sense it. Ooh. Your heart drops when you think of what Wilder can be with just average boxing ability. Average boxing fundamentals. If he was able to throw one, two, three combinations at a consistent rate, if he was able to use some level of head movement, if his footwork got better, any of those three, or all of those three, if any of those happened, my goodness, it's scary. Wilder is coming back for a reign, not a run, a reign. This brother wants to be on top of the sport and prove that he's the greatest in this generation. He's got that dog in him and wants to show it to the rest of the world. And if Ruiz wants to be able to fight and beat Wilder, when they clash, because they're going to clash, Barring a knockout by Robert Elanius on Wilder, which I most likely that's not going to happen. Wilder's going to handle his business. But barring any unforeseen circumstances, they're gonna they're, they're on the head to head course. They are, and because of that, if Ruiz wants to beat Wilder. This brother has to live on the inside. If he takes a step into the mid-range, or even worse, if he gets put into a situation where now he's on the outside, 
in the mid-range, maybe he can mitigate at least some of the power. Being in a position to move in and smother the punches, potentially. At least have a shot. But if it gets pushed to the outside or drifts to the outside, it's going to be exactly like what happened when Ortiz fought Wilder. Even if Ruiz has the advantage. The second you lull and you and you put yourself back on the outside, like Ortiz did, it, on, it only takes a second and then pow. Dreams become nightmares. And nightmares just become a dark abyss. Because once that punch lands, you don't know what happened. Everything just goes black. So Wild is most likely going to beat Ruiz. I can almost guarantee when they fight against each other. Wild is beating Ruiz. And then Wild is going to have his pick. Depending on who's got the title. Or even, if he needs to, he'll beat the number one contender. Or fight the number one contender. Then have a shot at the title. Most likely. It's going to be, for Wilder, the road to a title fight. Hellenius, Ruiz, and then from there, either an immediate title shot or a contender against whoever gets left out as the odd man out in that upper echelon title picture. Why do I say that? Because you have to understand Tyson Fury called out Anthony Joshua. Usyk wants Fury, but then also said that he would fight Wilder. So if Usyk doesn't get his his undisputed fight with Fury, he's fighting Wilder. If Tyson Fury does in fact fight Usyk, Joshua's going to have to fight Wilder. So it's either Usyk or Wilder, one for the title or one for a, a shot at undisputed between Usyk and Fury. That's how it matches up. That's how it gauges. That's how it rolls. But with Wilder, if he wants to get to the upper echelon thing, I struggle because I keep talking about Wilder as a boxer in terms of potential. What he can potentially turn into with this long layoff, with training, with the chance to look at his flaws, with the chance to turn his his act around and listen to the coaching of, of, of the people that are training him and adapt his fighting style to be more fundamentally sound and utilize more weapons. Um, but all of that is put under the, the moniker of if he does it. If the brothers, in terms of boxing, he started late and he's getting up there in age. It's just the truth. And him as a boxer, it's hard for it to teach an old dog new tricks. It is. Even in the Tyson Fury fight, when he started going to the body, one round one with constant jabs, power jabs to the body, Ducking off the center line, fully extended, pushing Fury back 
with this jab, again, Fury was, I believe, the heaviest he had been in, in the fight, in that trilogy. And he was pushing him back with a body jab. He was doing consistent work. But then once he got in trouble or when he got gassed and got tired, he reverted back to his old ways. Still put up a good fight. Don't get twisted. But he went back to his old ways. And with that, can you get out of the habit of only wailing on opponents with looping shots and a one-two? Right now, that's your only weapon. You've only needed that weapon. But that's your only concrete weapon. You got the power to do so much more because of your natural athleticism and nimbleness as opposed to every other heavyweight in the division outside of Tyson Fury and Usyk. And to a lesser degree, Anthony Joshua. Wilder is a skinny heavyweight. Naturally. It's not as big in terms of weight as all these other guys in the division. That leads to him being able to be quick and lanky. Muhammad Ali, when he was on Forget Some Talk Show, talked about how people that are lanky and don't have those big muscles or big size, those are the people that you watch out for because they're, they're fast, deceptively quick. And deceptively explosive. That's what Wilder is. Because of his God-given natural ability. But he's got to be able to hold that and maximize that. Because his shot at the title has to go through Usyk and Fury. It just has to. And that's the problem. Both of those people are heavyweights that move and are nimble. So the one advantage that Wilder had over 90% of the boxing populace now is ripped away. And you saw what happened. Draw, loss, and loss. Good fights, but still losses. Could never gain a win. He's got to put more tools in his tool belt. Because time's winding up for him. Time is winding up for Deontay Wilder. This man can be a champion or the biggest gatekeeper that boxing's ever seen for a title opportunity. I'm serious. I'm so serious. Where we see Ortiz right now, we could see Wilder in that same vein, but for the upper echelon of elite. I'm talking about if you want to get into the top three, you got to go through me. That's where we could see Wilder. If you want to get through the top three, you have to go through me. I can't crack that tier anymore. But you got to go through me to get there. I can't beat these guys up here because of my skill set. 
But if you want to have a shot and even think about beating them, you got to get through me. That's when we can see Wilder. If he doesn't evolve, he's got to evolve. He's too good of a talent not to evolve what he is as a boxer. He's too good not to be able to maximize his, his athleticism and length and natural strength to be a guy that can close the show and make everything light work for himself. I'm not just talking about he just goes and just blows out opponents because that's what he can do because of his natural power. Again, the greatest right hand in boxing history. But for him as a boxer, it's easier when you can blow people out when you know how to set them up with more than just one way. When you know how to, oh, I can catch you with a hook. And that sets up my uppercut. Or I, I can make you come in from out of range and then land my shot. I only got to put in all my power to it. Those small, intricate things, instead of just being a, a brawler, in the epitome of a brawler, which is just throw and play. Again, I understand he's more sophisticated than that. But the overall repertoire of Wilder outside of that right hand is just throw, throw, and throw. That's it. And then rely back on the right hand. It's work, but he's got to evolve more if he wants to be able to fight and beat a, a Usyk. We'll have a shot at getting another rematch versus Tyson Fury. But I want to see him get there so bad. Because I know what he brings to boxing. I know how great he can be. He's already phenomenal. He's already great. But he can be so much more. Again, he's got the potential to be undisputed. But that potential is not enough. You've had the long layoff. You've had a chance to get into the gym. Lab new things. Adapt who you are as a fighter. And change yourself for the better. You've got to show it against Alanius. And you've got to show it against Ruiz. You got to show that it's stuck. The changes that you've made. Because if not. You're going to see the same thing. Great fights at the championship level. But never able to retain the title. That's where Wilder is at right now. He's at the. The, the midnight hour of his career. And I'm not talking about. In terms of he's in danger. I'm talking about it's, this is his second run. Most likely his last run at getting his hands on gold. So the midnight hour is approaching due to age and his pickings at the heavyweight title level. If he doesn't make his shot count this time, most likely it's over. Most likely it's over. And he's in danger because everybody knows his weakness. 
even the people that aren't in the championship contention level, they know what it takes to be Wilder now. Because Tyson Fury showed it. Get big and just smother him. Lean on him. Get him tired so that by round five, six, okay, boom. He's dangerous, but he's slowed down just enough to where I can avoid the right hand. And I can wail on him and consistently do damage to eventually take him out later in the fight. That's what everybody knows to do against Wilder. The secret's exposed. Everybody who said that he's a bad boxer now knows absolutely what to do to beat him. So he said that he, that's why it's coming up on the midnight hour. Because you ain't fighting with, oh, I just got to avoid the right hand. And it's just, he just doesn't have the fundamental talent. I just can't see how to beat him. You're beyond that stage. Now it's, if I'm the aggressor and I make it past round five and I gain weight and smother him, I most likely got it in the bag. Because now he's, he's just too winded. That's what people are going to say. Now, granted, that the pitfall of being tired could be viewed at because of the fact that Wilder also gained weight. Because when he the first time he fought Fury, in the draw, he landed the right hand, landed the left hook in the 12th round. Seemingly knocked him out. Tyson Fury gets back up like The Undertaker, finishes the round strong. Okay, I need more power in my punches. Hence, gets bigger. And then, I need even more power in my punches. Hence, gets even more bigger. Excuse me, bad grammar. Hence, gains even more muscle in the third fight. So that could attribute, that could have attributed to him getting tired because his frame can't, couldn't handle that amount of mass, even though the power was even more dangerous. Now he's getting back to the lighter frame, 215, 220, 212 even. Again, my prime weight for Wilder, 212 to 215. Phenomenal. Getting back to that, maybe the, the, the getting tired later in the fight won't be a concern anymore. But maybe it will because of the smothering tactic that his opponents are going to implement. That very well could happen. But at minimum, even outside of getting tired, the main thing is fight on the back foot, Wilder on the back foot, and you're most likely golden. That's what everybody knows the secret. The secret sauce is out. The recipe is there. Now it's going to take Wilder adapting, changing, and evolving getting at least some level of fundamental skill outside of a one-two, outside of a jab straight right, if he wants to get his shot at having gold around his waist, if he wants to shot at undisputed, if he wants to be called the baddest man on the planet, if he doesn't, then uh, I hate to say it, but we're going to see Probably an exciting run at the belt, but to no avail. 
That's what's most likely going to happen. If he doesn't change his ways. Now, in time to the final big news point of the day. In a bombshell. In, in a in a in a in a in a, in a explosive unveiling. Tyson Fury, instead of calling out Usyk, or after calling out saying, I'll fight everybody, Usyk and 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 Wilder, Fury, anybody who's in the heavyweight division, because I'm here to stay forever. If you heard in his Twitter post after the Usyk Joshua fight, comes out in a very shocking Twitter video and calls out Anthony Joshua for a title fight for the lineal and I believe WBO or WBC heavyweight championship. Essentially, his title, both um, the, the big green belt essentially, and the lineal championship, Fury offered to Joshua, the loser of that fight. Now, should that be the case? First and foremost, let's get one thing straight right now. I do not think in any way, shape, or form that Joshua should be in contention for a title shot, regardless of the belt. The man had twice, twice headshots at Undisputed. Lost to Usyk, losing his belts. Excuse me, for unification, not undisputed, unification. Lost to Usyk and lost his belts. Tried to get his belts back. Lost to Usyk again. And now he's in contention for potentially another fight for a piece of the undisputed title. Against a fighter that should be fighting against the current uni not unified. Actually, yes, unified. Unified champion Usyk. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Fury, why are you doing this? Fury, what's your game plan? Fury, what the world? This isn't the mark of a champion. If you want to be back, that's all gonna hold. If you want to take on all challenges, that's all good for you. But this is not what needs to happen. It's not what needs to happen at all. And as quickly as Fury wanted it or called out Joshua, not even called out, offered, if you go watch back the video, offered Joshua a shot at his belts. The same day, almost within the hour, Joshua accepted and potentially rumors have it. It's going to be in December. So now this has me asking. First off, this has me revving my head against the wall because I've been wanting Undisputed for the longest time. Have had an Undisputed, no questions asked, heavyweight champion of the world since 2000, 22 years ago, with Lennox Lewis. And now, this is getting pushed aside for a fight against Anthony Joshua? Now, I get the appeal. I understand the build-up. Two biggest heavyweights of the modern era fighting against each other, finally. Should this happen long ago? Absolutely. Does it have the same weight now? No. 
Is it still big? Your dog going right. Would I watch it? Your dog going right. I pay money to see that fight. But I don't want to see that fight right now. I want undisputed. I want every belt in contention. I want two of the best boxers in the heavyweight division squaring off against each other. Osik with elite boxing skills. Who is a better boxer, purely boxer, than Tyson Fury. But undersized. On the flip side, Fury, who is better than, as a boxer, better than anybody else in the division, except for Usyk, but has the size and weight advantage, and potentially the power advantage as well, and is elusive for a person this size, and utilizes a lot of tactics that Usyk utilizes, like fencing. Like jabbing, like punching off angle, like changing up his rhythm. He can brawl, he can smother, he can fight for range. Usyk can work his way on the inside, can brawl. It's precise with his punches. It's a great combination, a better combination puncher than Fury. Has, this is a matchup of, of phenomenal proportions. This is great. Somebody who has all the skills at a high level but undersized and comparative to him, Fury, has all the skills but at a great level, not at an elite level, but at, well, okay, let me rephrase that. Usyk has all the skill set of an elite boxer at an incredibly high level. Fury has all the skills of an elite boxer at an elite level, but compared to Usyk, it's not up to that par. Usyk is a better technical fighter than Fury. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. If you just watch the two, you understand that. Usyk is a better technical fighter than Fury. Usyk is a better fundamental fighter than Fury. Usyk, Usyk has more boxing acumen than Tyson Fury does. It's not a knock on Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is up there too. Again, outside of Osik, Fury has, is the best boxer that utilizes boxing skills. Fury has the greatest amalgamation of boxing talent outside of Usik. But what makes it so polarizing is the fact that he's six foot nine. 260 and has head movement. That size coupled with that ability is what makes him so unique. Nobody's had the boxing ability of Fury in the division. For a time it was Anthony Joshua, but now I'm pretty sure no, he doesn't. But on the flip side, now he's, if he went up against Usyk, Usyk's an opponent who has a higher skill level in terms of boxing ability than Fury. 
Fury's never faced a better boxer than him. Up until Usyk came on the scene. And now Usyk is bona fide, a better boxer than him. Bona fide, pound for pound on the list, top three. He just isn't as big as Fury. So is the size going to outweigh the boxing ability? Is the size on top of his boxing ability going to make him too much of a challenge for Usyk? Or is Usyk's pure boxing ability going to outshine Fury even with his size? It's all these questions that can come into play. Such a great matchup that I would love to see. But now he's calling out Anthony Joshua. A person who I'm most um, fairly confident Fury's going to beat. And a person who at this point in time, I don't think Joshua deserves a shot. Hey. Joshua more so needs to earn his, prove his worth and beat Wilder, if anything, after this loss to Usyk, to prove that he's still up there. In my estimation, if you want to go further, beat beat Wilder and Ruiz. Beat both of them. Before you prove to me that you're back on top with deserving a title shot. Because you've had two and you lost. Was champion lost, then challenger lost again. Said you were going to change and didn't commit to the change. Showed flurries, but nothing more. No, you haven't shown, in the, you didn't show in that fight that you deserved a shot at the title again. You didn't, you didn't show it. Against either of those two. Against either Usyk or Fury, you don't deserve a title shot. But he's still getting one as offered by Tyson Fury. So now this comes into play. This is a big question. Is Tyson Fury ducking Usyk? Now, I don't, I don't use the word ducking lightly. I don't. Like a lot of the boxing fans do. I don't do that. I don't believe in ducking as a predominant practice. Because I understand promoters, managers, promotions, all these people coming into play. People have to, mandatory defenses, all this stuff when you are champion. Muddles who we want to see fight when they should fight each other. It does. The business of boxing is corrupt. It's bad. They're shooting themselves in the foot. That's why they're not, they're not as popular on a consistent basis as the UFC. UFC and Dana White, under one conglomerate, under one name, puts fighters who need to fight each other against each other when they should be fighting each other. Because there's only one person managing the show. In boxing, there's a whole gaggle of people. Many people call them fools controlling the sport. Putting boxers together, building up one fighter, putting, throwing meat, Throwing raw meat into the ring, letting the, the prospects get their resumes built up, holding them off on fighting actual talent and challengers. It's been like this for a number of years. It's been like this for a number of years. So I understand why 
things are where they are. Some instances, boxers can't even control their own destiny until they are made made. And even sometimes they still choose, most of the time they still choose to go with whatever the promoter says to go. I'll go. Because again, they're looking for money. And wholeheartedly. Get the bag. But at the same time, as a boxing fan, we understand what's valued. And that's a legacy. And boxing today, the climate isn't built for you to build your legacy. Like Tommy Hearns, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Unless you choose to go against the grain. And if you choose to go against the grain, even then, it can work against you. Because the promoter may say, no, that's not how we're running it. The commission and, and, and the, the sanctioning bodies and the commissions of the belts may say, you got to fight this mandatory challenger or your belt's revoked. Or even other fighters won't fight you. Everything else can be in place. Your promoter can be on board with it. The belt holder's on board with it. And other fighters will actively say, no, we'll choose the other option. But still go and call you out and say you a bum. But then when your name gets brought up in the midst of them, they don't do anything. So it's a lot of things that come into play as to why a, a boxer won't fight somebody else. So I don't say ducking lightly. But in this situation, I have to say it's, it's, it's looking like you're ducking fury. It really is. It really is. If you wanted this whole thing, you should have fought Anthony Joshua when he had the belt. After your second, after your second fight against Wilder, that's when you should have fought Joshua. Shouldn't have rematched Wilder a third time. Shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. Shouldn't have fought Dillian White. You should have been calling out Derek Chisora. You should have been actively saying two Brit biggest British boxing heavyweights and stars in the world and in the country right now. Let's get it on. That's what it should have been. But you didn't. And now you're, you're in a position for undisputed and you're going to fight Anthony Joshua? These questions come up. I don't want to call you a duck. I don't want to say you're avoiding the big money. But there's a lot of things that are seemingly getting brought up that's like, why? I'll fight for half a billion dollars and all this stuff. I get that you, that you want the bag. But this is for undisputed. You're going to get the bag. You're going to get the bag. Are you kidding me? With a year's build. Let's say the fight did happen. With a year's build. Coupled with. Ticket sales. Getting sold out the second that fight gets made. Coupled with. Promotional advertising. Coupled with sponsors that want to sponsor your fight. Coupled with the winner's purse. 
You can't tell me that that alone wouldn't put you close to half a billion dollars. At least comfortably, $250 million. You couldn't tell me that. You couldn't tell me that. You couldn't tell me that would still that still would not be the biggest fight in boxing today. At least on par with Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. You can't tell me that. In terms of wide range, wide in terms, excuse me, in terms of wide array of boxing appeal, as well as cold hard boxing legacy. You can't tell me that I wouldn't be up there. Can't tell me that that an undisputed heavyweight fight wouldn't be the biggest fight in the world. You can argue that would be even bigger than Errol Spence versus Terrence Bud Crawford. Legitimately. And you and you can't tell me you wouldn't make bank. You can't. Lord willing this fight of the year. Win, lose, or draw, people will be clamoring for a rematch, especially if it's a draw. And if it's a good fight, like I think it's going to be, like I know it's going to be. Best believe. Money raking in. So I don't understand. It's sounding like you're ducking. Usyk. You're ducking a person that potentially, again, this is from an outside perspective, that potentially might have your number. I'm not calling you scared. No, not doing that. But if this is for the business side, you're letting it hurt you as a boxer. You're letting the business side hurt the perception of you in the public eye. Because all these other names that you're getting that you're calling out. And wanted to fight again, like when you fought Dillian White, like when you fought, wanted to fight Derek Chisora again after you already beat him. It, it, it makes no sense to me, makes no sense to the majority of other boxers, makes no sense at all. So, you so. I, it looks like, we'll see as time goes on, but it looks like in the immediate, Fury may be ducking Usyk. Because remember, Usyk said in, in, in the post-fight interview, he's not interested in anybody else except for Tyson Fury. That's it. In, in interviews over the past couple of weeks, he said if the Fury fight doesn't happen, he'll be willing to fight Wilder. But he wants to fight Fury. He'll take what, you know, he's still got to make a living. He'll take what is available. He'll, he'll, he'll fight the next best thing. But he doesn't want the next best thing. He's made that perfectly clear. He's made that perfectly clear. So, but, and so for Fury to offer Wilder, 
a legitimate shot at the title. It makes no sense to me. It makes it seem like that you that you may see something that might be damaging to your record. You may see something in a boxer that may actually be able to beat you. You may not be as confident as you were against all these other opponents. You may be. Again, this is speculative. This is speculative. Speculative. This is no definitive stuff. This is only for what I can perceive. This is not a good look for you, Tyson Fury. Offering Anthony Joshua another title shot after he's already lost twice in a row for the title. And you're next in line for Undisputed. The potentially puts your name in a pinnacle of names that very few have the luxury of being put in. It just, it just it's confusing and concerning for me as a pure boxing fan. And it should be concerning for you, whether you're casual or pure. Otherwise, watching this video, listening to this podcast, should be concerning for you. This isn't what we want at all. We want to dispute it. I want to dispute it. Let the best fight the best and then let the best reign. That's what it should be. Not Anthony Joshua getting another shot at the title. Against a person that should actually be fighting for undisputed. Now, preference this. We've seen this happen before. Roy Jones Jr. lost, got a title shot. Zab Judah lost, got a title shot. We've seen this happen before. Seen this happen before. Zab Judah Lost, got a title shot against Fury. Not Fury. Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather. Roy Jones Jr. got knocked out. And then, I think he actually lost the second time as well. Then got a shot at a title against Antonio Tarver. So, hey, name recognition gets you places. That doesn't make it right. If I was into boxing back then, or if I was able to see that fight live back then, Guess what I would have said? No, that's not right. He's got to earn his way back. He doesn't deserve to just get the shot just because he's he's Roy Jones Jr. Just because he's Zab Judah. No, you got to win. Win, earn it, then you go back and fight for the title. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. If you're a champ and you're challenging for another champ's belt, in another division or in your own division, that's not, that's different. You've already proven your worth. You're currently reigning. And now you're going for another challenge saying, I'm already the best here. I've shown that I'm also skill wise better than anybody else currently vying for a title in your division. Give me the shot. Get pushed to the front of the line. Okay, you got the merit to prove it. But in losing, nah, I'm not saying you're completely out of title picture. I'm just saying in the immediate, you got to earn it back. Either in a rematch against that same fighter or working your way back up through the ranks. That's me. 
That's just me. That's how I think it should be. But in terms of Tyson Fury, it, it's ah, it's working backwards. You got the belt. You got the opportunity to challenge for another belt in your own division. In fact, all the belts in your division. You proved your merit. You proved your worth. Everybody's looking forward to it. And you choose to challenge the loser. It. Uh -uh. No. That does not do good for the majority of boxing. That doesn't do good for your own career. It just doesn't. It just does not. It's a bad look on, on you. Even with the greatness that you've already solidified. It's a bad look. Greatness can't be diminished. Greatness cannot be diminished. But it can be added on to. And while greatness can't be diminished, if you add on negativity to that greatness, it changes how what we view you as within your greatness. It does. Floyd Mayweather, perfect example. If you are into boxing, not just as an overall casual fan or fanboy of him. The brother is one of the greatest boxers in history. Cool. When You can argue he's the greatest defensive fighter in history. Cool. He's undefeated. Cool. But. But. He's undefeated with his 50th fight being Conor McGregor. Calling for a professional record. Uh, and he's holding that moniker around like it's up there, up there. Is it really better than Rocky Marciano's 49 and no record? My estimation, no. It's not. Retiring 50 and 0. But you fight Conor McGregor instead of, again, rematch Canelo. Rematch any of the younger fighters in your division. Rematch, fight a boxer in your division. Then I would have had no qualms. But because of that, he won, got to 50. But now the greatness has some negativity to it. He did it. But what's attached to what he did diminishes the impact of the greatness that we are seeing, even though it still is greatness. Even though it still is, the facts are what they are. But the context of, that we put those facts in don't let us or don't allow us to fully appreciate and give just due to what the accomplishment to what the accomplishment was due to again the context that that accomplishment is in the box that is inside the folder that we have to go through when we read off the accomplishment and the circumstances of that accomplishment that's what makes greatness not as well appreciated. 
And at the same time, that's what allows greatness to be put in its proper context. That's what happened with Mayweather. For me, for a lot of other people, that's what can happen with Fury. If he does, in fact, fight Anthony Joshua instead of fighting Usyk for Undisputed. Because we're right there. Ladies and gentlemen, we are right there. I can taste it. I can smell it. I can feel it. Undisputed heavyweight champion. Somebody is going to definitively have claimed to be the best heavyweight in the world. Somebody's going to be there. And it, it, but this is skewing everything up. Skew, messing it all up. This is not what's good for Fury's overall legacy, overall view of his greatness, and the overall of boxing. It's not good for the sport. I hope this doesn't happen. Because this is not good for boxing. It's not good for the fans. It ain't good for the boxers. And show enough ain't good for me. <laughs> show enough is not good for me watching this. We're going to see what happens as time goes on, as stuff transpires, as contract talks get sent back and forth, contract to get sent back and forth. We'll see if it actually gets signed off to. If it does, I'm going to watch it. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be upset. I'm gonna be mad. But I'm gonna still like to watch it because it's a sport that I love and enjoy. So this has been another episode of the Watch Report. Yes, sir. I'm so excited to have you all back here watching, listening, and just overall enjoying the podcast. We're gonna keep this up. Everybody, I can't wait to be back with you again. Share this podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions. Get everybody else involved in this. If you know boxing fans or just fans of any sport, can we cover everything on this channel? Get them on this channel. Let's build up a community so we can thrive, shine, and make some money. And potentially have some more people on the show. Maybe some big names too. Who knows? But hey, this has been the Watch Report. I've been your old John Luke Watch. You all have been amazing. Peace and love. We are out of here.